0: Welcome to the ACFCS Financial Crime Cast, a briefing featuring the latest news, analysis, and guidance from across the financial crime spectrum. I'm Brian spoda SVP of Product and Programming with ACFCS, and I'm starting this episode with a pop quiz. Besides the fraudsters and financial criminals themselves, what would you say is the number one driver of fraud risk at financial institutions in 2023? If you answered silos within organizations, well, then that's the answer we're looking for. There may not be one definitive response to that question, I understand, but silos and data, people, and processes within and between fraud and AML programs are a pervasive and pernicious problem. Breaking down these silos can be complex and multifaceted. Some organizations have been trying to do it for years with varying degrees of success. But the good news is, wherever you are in your journey, there are starting points or entry points which may be less burdensome than they initially seem. One of these is enterprise case management. And I'm pleased to welcome back Rude Groton's Head of Solution Consulting for Fraud and Financial Crime with Bottomline Technologies to guide us on the how and the why of adopting a case management system and how it can help take down those silos to improve results in your fraud detection and prevention. Well, Rude, thank you so much for being back on the Financial Crime Cast. It is always a pleasure to have you on this program and uh, a lot of insights to share uh once more with us. So, thank you for being here and a pleasure having this conversation with you.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. Always a pleasure speaking to you. Um, thank you.
0: Yeah, and look forward to uh this focus on enterprise case management in the fraud space. Um, I think all of our listeners out there or almost all. And anytime we've you know surveyed our members, either on webinars or by wider surveys, the answers have always come back. Uh, in the past couple of years, the fraud threats are only increasing. Um, the channels by which fraud is being committed have multiplied. Um, and as a result, there really needs to be an evolution in the way uh, case management is being done in the financial crime space more but the fraud, more broadly, but the fraud space in particular. So um, the siloed approach, the dreaded siloed approach that many of our uh, listeners have lived with and some still continue to live with in their current job roles uh, has been a huge impediment to getting um, maybe not ahead, but at least caught up with the uh, financial criminals. So let's start there um, and let's talk about you know, the issues with a siloed approach, teams working in isolation, tech not shared, um, particularly in fraud case management. So can you give us your perspective on the hazards of a siloed approach?
1: Sure, Brian, and um, I'm sure you might have heard it more often. Um, Fraud is like a balloon uh, that won't stay still. Uh, If you try to squeeze it in one place, then fraud just pops up somewhere else. Uh, In other words, when uh, one vulnerability is fixed, fraudsters move on to the next one. And as we know, they are always looking for the weakest link in uh, security measures. Um, When it comes to uh, fraud prevention in silos, uh, sometimes things can get messy, uh, especially where different teams work in isolation using their own tools, cannot share information effectively. And that can create gaps in controls and monitoring and, of course, uh, leaving room for frauds fraud to uh, to exploit. Um, but moreover, a siloed approach can cause duplication of efforts, uh, duplication of processes, uh, software investments, and it makes things complicated, also uh, increases uh, IT complexity and operational costs. That is, um, yeah, resulting in inefficiencies, uh, waste of time and money. And that's why it's important to have smoother technology that makes it easy to collaborate and look at the bigger picture of fraud prevention. But as you know, Brian, uh, these siloed solutions were were not designed to work together seamlessly. So um, they're usually the result of using the best available tools over time uh, without much thought on how they would all fit together.
0: Yeah and I really like that analogy of the uh balloon you know because it just gives you a great perspective on uh where you need controls in the uh fraud prevention space right. <laughs> and, and how you know you really you need a layered approach right um and you need coordination between the different elements of your fraud program, because if you focus time and resources and controls in one area, as you're saying, it's going to slip into the other. Um, so uh, on that note, can you give us uh, you know, some, I know you've been working with institutions really all around the world in this space, Europe, but also U.S., North America, um, can you give us some perspective from your experience of the impact that a solid approach can have on a bank's fraud and financial crime team. And we'll talk banks here primarily, but a lot of these these points and concepts can apply equally to a lot of other financial institutions. So
1: um,
0: any illustrations of this that you can share?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Let me give you an example of why this can be a a problem. Um, Say there's a a team that investigates suspicious activity involving card fraud, uh, another team that investigates uh, suspicious activity involving online fraud, and then uh, let's assume there's a third team that focuses on anti-money laundering (AML). So, if they're all working separately with their own tooling, they may miss crucial information that another team has discovered. And this lack of communication can be especially uh, risky if the same customer is under investigation by multiple teams. For instance, for uh, instance, if the uh, card fraud team is looking into something suspicious related to a particular customer but they don't know that the online fraud team is also investing the same customer. And they might end up tipping off that same customer who's already on the radar screen of the AML investigation team. So the fraud investigations could lead to the compromise of the AML investigation because of tipping off, right? So the customer may become aware or the fraudster actually may become aware of the fraud investigation and take steps, uh steps to conceal suspicious AML uh, ac- uh, activities. And um, to avoid these kinds of problems, um, banks actually need to uh, to embrace, encourage communication and, and collaboration between the investigation teams, uh, eliminate the silos and take a, a more holistic approach to financial crime prevention.
0: Great points. Yeah. And I, I think uh, we're going to revisit that last one on eliminating the silos, because I think a lot of our listeners are probably uh, thinking uh, the same thing I am right now, which is, well, yeah, easier easier said than done, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, but we'll talk about practical ways that we yeah. can potentially implement that in, in just a minute. But I, I think it's a great point on the missing information if you have these separate investigative streams right, um, and the potential tipping off. It's also a big challenge on the reporting side too when you get to the STR or SAR or UAR or whatever it's called in your right. jurisdiction um, if you're ultimately filing one of those which you're not always going to be in the fraud context but if there's other you know financial crime you may be um, or sometimes you will in fraud too regardless, um, capturing that information and making sure that your teams aren't duplicating efforts or even duplicating filings on the same transactional activity, it's going to be really important. And I know, you know, effective reporting has been a major area of focus uh, of regulators in the U.S., but also other jurisdictions, too. So um, absolutely going to be a, a, a point going forward. I, I want to bring in something that, you know, maybe... Uh, different, a little bit different area of fraud um, that we've been focusing on thus far, but also relevant to the conversation, that's insider or internal fraud. Um, You know, I think when we talk about fraud case management, a lot of people's heads are immediately going to go to external threats, right? Um, Whether that's synthetic ID fraud, social engineering, various kinds of payments frauds. But um, what about insider fraud as a part of this integrated kind of case management? Um, and and do you find that sometimes institutions put that off to one side or create a, a little silo for insider fraud and that creates issues for the wider fraud
1: <laughs> Yeah, exactly that. So I think many financial institutions separate, separate uh, internal fraud from external fraud, uh, typically a siloed approach. And that is, of course, the result of using best of breed solutions over the years without considering that internal fraud and external fraud might be interconnected and not entirely distinct from one another. Um, for instance, um, as you know, Brian, I'm based here in Europe, in the Netherlands, um, We had visibility to a report from CIFAS in the United Kingdom. And they have reported that uh, it was end of last year that there's been a rise in insider threat as surface that are incidents where external fraudsters recruit employees uh, for example through social media uh, to engage in internal fraud and it can be financial theft but it can also be data leakage and many cases of payment fraud or, or data leakage involve some form of insider fraud but the issue is that insider fraud can be challenging to detect. And often, there's only a suspicion. Uh, and then I'm hearing from banks that it's very difficult to find the evidence. And that results in not reporting insider fraud or under-reporting insider fraud or even reporting it incorrectly as external fraud. And this way, insider fraud gets lesser attention from yeah, senior management. Um, And that is creating a weakness in the defense. And that's why fraudsters find it an opportunity. That's the balloon effect again, right? (laughs) So for banks to better understand the collusion between insiders and external bad actors, I think it's critical to break down these silos and implement a more holistic view that can identify the links between internal and external bad actors.
0: It's a great point, And I've seen study after study that makes the same point that there is an element of insider or internal fraud to any number of, you know, I've seen ones that say the majority of um, fraud schemes have, depending on the institution, have an insider element, right? So they, uh, the separation between uh, ins- internal and external fraud is really artificial, right? Um, it's a uh, mm-hmm it's not something that necessarily the uh the bad actors see they say oh no no i'm i'm an insider fraudster i don't do
1: uh, external fraud right <laughs> not not my special special <laughs> specialty <laughs>
0: exactly uh, yeah. uh so uh it's one that uh you know if if the bad actors are not divided then we need to uh we need to take exactly. a similar approach so so you know we've been talking about this issue of of you know lack of communication when we have these these siloed teams and siloed information sources siloed data sources um we've been talking about how this obviously makes it uh creates more vulnerabilities for fraudsters to exploit now let's turn to the well what do i do about it piece so what can financial institutions actually do what steps can they take to remove these silos and improve fraud Prevention in a more collaborative approach?
1: Yeah, th- another good question, uh, Brian. And uh, from my own experience, one of the most effective ways to break down these silos is to implement an enterprise case management system. Well, that may not be a shock, but there is a clear need for more awareness on this topic, I believe. And uh, enterprise case management is a critical component of overall risk management, right? It helps. Uh, teams to um, organize investigations, prioritize, manage investigations in in one central system, which enables them to collect all the evidence in one place. Then another important requirement for an enterprise case management system is the ability to integrate data. um, Think about alerts, cases from disparate fraud and AML solutions. by having all that data in one central place, the case management system, uh, banks can streamline communication uh, and, and collaboration between teams, and that helps to provide a more holistic approach uh, around uh, customers or employees. When it's uh, employees, when it's about an insider fraud incident, of course. But it's also important that the case management solution enables that all relevant stakeholders in that investigation process are involved and can contribute their uh, expertise and that's why it's important that an enterprise case management system also supports the embedding of fraud investigation procedures through uh, automated workflows for example to ensure that investigations always follow a consistent and transparent uh, process Um, and I think that automated workflows that align with internal procedures such as uh, fraud investigation workflows uh, or or maybe dispute management workflows or maker checker workflows that should be included in any case management solution Uh, and this is to prevent that emails or or team chats are flying around uh, on some sensitive topics such as insider fraud right and with enterprise case management, there's only one source of data that's accessible to those who need it. Um, for example, a um, regular fraud team uh, may not have access to insider fraud cases as they're often handled by a dedicated team um, due to their sensitivity. But further down the insider fraud uh, investigation workflow, maybe HR or security or the CISO may need to be involved in the process so that implies that the case management system must be set up to grant users uh, access, and only to the information necessary for each stakeholder, of course, to maintain uh, data privacy and uh, uh, security. And another uh, last important requirement I would like to mention for an enterprise case management system is that it supports a clear audit trail of actions taken and decisions made to ensure that fraud investigations are conducted consistently and, and transparently.
0: Yeah, very good points that you know the documentation aspect and the auditability are going to be crucial in uh yeah. in any system, but particularly if you are you're having multiple teams working together in one platform. Um well thanks. Yeah. I mean I think that gives great insight onto into the why and how of of breaking down these silos. Um Let's take it a step further and let's bring AML into the picture here. And we touched on this, but um, what about integrating AML? You know, so we have all of the external fraud aspects. This seems complicated enough, um, but then you also have your in- insider fraud, bringing in, bringing that uh, into an integrated case management platform. Um, and then you have AML. Is't this quite complex to bring all these together and and how do you kind of think through that and 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 uh, yeah. also get them on the same yeah. page?
1: <laughs> yeah, indeed, is this a complex task? Um, well, it, it it requires technical expertise uh, and careful planning, of course. but um, it is a necessary step for organizations that want to break down the silos, right um, across fraud, AML, insider fraud. And, uh uh and consolidate information from different sources so yeah. for an enterprise case management system it's important to have the technical capability to integrate with third-party uh, solutions and data sources and and that's why an integration layer and an intelligence layer in the case management solution um, becomes crucial and that's a, a two step process. With the integration layer, you can bring alerts from various third-party solutions into the case management environment. Think about fraud uh, detection uh, solutions, AML solutions. Uh, and this is done by using uh, yeah standard technology like APIs and micros, uh, microservices, right? Um, it's IT technology that allows different software programs to, uh, to communicate with each other. And the other layer, the intelligence layer, is responsible for analyzing all that data uh, from these uh, alerts or cases coming from these different sources to identify patterns and other important information. So actually, the the, the intelligence layer uh, collects uh, and combines all of this data into one single case to provide that holistic view on a specific client or an employee. So um, yeah, in short, the integration layer brings everything together from different source systems while the intelligence layer makes sense of all that information and turns it into useful insights. And that gives organizations that holistic view of what's going on and helping them to make better decisions and break down these silos.
0: That's a really good point, the holistic view, um, because, you know, so much of of what we're talking about in detecting financial crime activity, whether it's AML or fraud, um, is really about network risk, right? It's not about the risk of the transaction or the person, customer in isolation, but about getting the wider viewpoint of their network of connections, the the transactions, a complete view of the customer, a complete view of the customers, and a, and a series of tr- transactions, and that's really only possible if you do have a centralized system like you're talking about. Well, I'm sure it's possible in other ways, but it's much more difficult. <laughs> I <laughs> would imagine. So <laughs> yes, it's always possible to do it via Excel or you know something, but uh, very painstaking. So um, in any case, uh, you know. I, uh, by taking this you know more holistic approach and having the right tools to do so you know you can you can identify patterns and identify networks of uh, both existing and potential fraud schemes um, much more easily and you know one thing that we've talked about in the past and I'm i'm interested to elaborate on this is is taking a proactive approach taking proactive measures to prevent further fraud losses um, so, can you talk a little bit more about that in particular, um, and yeah. talk about you know how you use these centralized systems to get to that more proactive point?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, um, <laughs> and I would like to say, uh, um, money talks, Brian. So, fraud loss is about money, <laughs> and people say that money talks. So, it's important uh, for organizations to understand that uh, how much money they are losing to fraud, as as we know that. Organizations that know the extent of their fraud losses are much better at reducing uh, the losses. Um, When these organizations have a clear picture of their fraud loss, they they can take proactive steps to address the the root cause of fraud and prevent it from happening again, maybe. This may involve uh, investing in new technology or training employees or putting stronger controls in place or or refine strategies as uh, needed. So um, yeah, it's important that the case management solution offers a way to track fraud loss automatically, but also to calculate prevented losses, uh, recovered losses. Um, uh, But there's also another aspect why calculating fraud loss is important. And that's related to regulatory compliance. Um, Regulators um, around the world may require banks to implement specific fraud prevention measures and and provide regular updates on their fraud prevention activities and also report on their fraud losses. And an ideal situation for banks would be the ability to report fraud fraud loss data uh, to their case management system seamlessly across all their payment channels.
0: That I think is a A dream for many of our listeners. Out there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully, it's, you know, one that's uh, at least getting closer to. Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: I know a few if not, are working so. according to this, to this, to this principle. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's a journey to get there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, let's talk about where the industry. You know, speaking of that journey, let's talk about where the industry is. Um, along that journey. And there's some uh, there's some good data that we have from a recent report. Um, Aite Novarica is a, a firm that many of, of, of our listeners are probably familiar with. They do a lot of great work in this space. And they, they recently released a report called Improving Case Management. Um, it talks about a variety of uh, aspects of the of case management solutions, and a couple of the findings that jumped out were that only 20% of financial institutions in this this survey um, used in-house built case management systems, versus the 80% that went out and found a commercial product. Um, Interestingly, more than half of all the the surveyed institutions, fifty two percent, expressed some level of dissatisfaction. They were not happy with their their current case management solution um, in a variety of ways. Uh, what do you make of these results? Um, you know, there's a lot of yeah. a lot of institutions adopting commercial systems, but it seems like there's kind of at least a level of dissatisfaction. Any any thoughts about what contributed to this?
1: Yeah, based on what I'm seeing in the field, Brian, um, and I think you brought up some interesting points um, about the use of case management solution uh, solutions in, in financial institutions. Um, I think um, yeah, based on what I'm seeing uh, is that historically many institutions have used um, enterprise case management for AML purposes which allows them to consolidate uh, investigation information into a single collection point. And then, um, yeah, as you mentioned earlier, also the need to the automation of regulatory reporting, which simplifies the process and saves time. Uh, However, when it comes to convergence of AML and fraud, Clear that fraud teams have very different needs than AML teams. Uh, for for instance, uh, fraud investigators may need to track fraud loss recoveries, how much fraud was prevented, or they need to handle disputes and 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 charge chargebacks. Um, well, unfortunately, this type of fraud specific fun- functionality is not typically found in case management solutions that are solely designed for AML and compliance purposes. And often I see banks would like to reuse their investment in an AML case management system, Uh, but it's often a mismatch for the fraud teams. And and therefore it may be necessary for institutions to consider implementing a dedicated fraud case management solution because uh, the report you referred to that was uh, uh, a survey uh amongst uh, fraud investigation teams um yeah, they 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 need to consider banks need to consider implementing a dedicated uh, fraud case management solution or maybe if that's possible purchase additional modu- modules from their existing AML case management provider uh to meet the unique requirements of their fraud investigation teams.
0: Part of the problem, it sounds like is, you know, it's not a it's not a one size fits all, right? And they're trying to make yeah, things exactly. work that don't necessarily work. So you have to exactly, think through yeah. very carefully what you need and how to get, as we have been, you know, talking about throughout this, how to get all your teams uh the right tools that they need to coordinate. Um a lot of the, you know, staying on kind of the state of the industry theme here, a lot of the the solutions out there um do involve cloud hosting right so it's it's where um you know the the, to some extent there's data that's being that's living somewhere outside the institution which i know um in an era of increasing focus on data privacy and data management gives people pause sometimes so um, given that there is a, a a lot of sensitive data being handled by enterprise case management systems um What's your opinion on on cloud hosting and you know keeping data, uh, respecting data privacy and and data security in that in that framework?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Cloud hosting has several advantages, right? Uh, such as cost savings, um, scalability, accessibility. But as you mentioned, Brian, uh, an enterprise case management system contains a lot of sensitive data, uh, investigative data, but also personal information, PII data. Um, And there might be concerns about hosting an enterprise case management system in the cloud, and uh, typically, these concerns are about compliance with data privacy regulations, data residency um, uh, requirements, uh, but also concerns about uh, security and and, uh, and risk. Um, so, one important point to remember is that uh, banks are, of course, ultimately responsible for accessing, uh, for, sorry, for assessing um, uh, the risk and compliance issues as associated with, with cloud hosting. So, for some banks, data residency, is required by local regulations So, cloud hosting in a foreign country uh, may not be the best option for them. Um, But if cloud hosting is an option, it's important for banks to work with a hosting partner that has proven experience and a track record of providing that same service to other financial institutions. Because um, these cloud providers, these technology partners are working at a much faster pace compared to uh, individual banks uh, using the latest uh, and greatest technology, having security and and, and certifications in place. So um, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's my take on um, the cloud and enterprise case management.
0: Yeah, no, it's a great point. I mean, a lot of times it's uh, the instinct is to say like, well, you know, it's safer in some ways if we keep it in-house. But yeah you know you like anything else you don't necessarily. there's a it's a lot of risk to doing doing it yourself i've done a a number of diy projects in my own home where i really probably should have just called in a, <laughs> a a specialist right a specialist, and, you know, yeah, so you know <laughs> uh, calling on a specialist is uh is oftentimes the best thing yeah. to do and and the safer of the options even if it's I not agree. intuitively that way so mm-hmm. well Rude, this has been a pleasure um you know just to 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 briefly summarize i think we still have a, a you know a state of the industry where there is a, a a a large degree of siloization if i can use that word yeah that's um, right. <laughs> but uh, uh you know there are there are um, bright spots out there in the sense that there's been a lot of progress made in the enterprise case management space um but it's you have to carefully consider how uh, you're implementing this platform, and uh, most importantly, as you've been stressing here, the why of implementing the platform, um, both in terms of reducing fraud losses, making that case to your senior management and others for the investment, um, and really you know, producing better intelligence and better results for your financial crime program. So um, thanks for the time and the insights. It's, uh, it's always great to speak with you and uh, appreciate appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, thank you for the interview, Brian, it was great speaking with you again. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to share my uh, perspectives, uh, perspectives uh, on the matter.
0: Great. And again, my guest has been Rude Grotens, head of solution consulting fraud and financial crime with Bottom Line Technologies. Um, more information about Bottom Line and they have, everything they have to offer is on the page where you are most likely listening to this podcast. But if not, urge you to check out um, Bottom Line's site and learn more about them. I also urge you to listen to another episode of the Financial Crime Cast. We are found on Apple, Spotify, and many other places where your favorite podcasts live. So with that, we will wrap it up. Have a great rest of the day. And thanks for listening, everyone. Bye for now.